Hi, Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone here. When will you understand that I am a person and not a thing? Look it up. Do something else. Do my eyebrows. Better to say, am I being true to myself? And is this what I want to say? And have I expressed myself the way I want to express myself? I mean, that's what it's all about. Hi, this is Anthony Rodriguez, and you're listening to MLBC, the Madonna Podcast. Hey guys, it's Tony. And hey everybody, this is Stefan. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MLVC, the Madonna Podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. And as you just heard today on the show, we are joined by Anthony Rodriguez, who had the distinct honor of dancing in Madonna's Drown World Tour. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hi, excited to be here. Antonio, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hola. <laughs> 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 how how is everything on your end, Anthony? How's uh, how's twenty twenty one treating you? Um, it's not bad actually. Um, twenty twenty was you know it was what it was, but I am in some strange way. I don't know. There might be others, but for me, uh, I appreciate the time that I had to, got to spend you know with myself because mm-hmm. I, I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm alone, living alone, and it's um. I really appreciated the time that I had. You're not but alone I'm, though. You've got you've got that beautiful Madonna montage hanging behind you. I can see. I don't. What's on that wall? Tell, walk us through that. I see. Is that a T-shirt? I sat here purposely. I don't always sit here. <laughs> Thank you. Zoom stuff happening, <laughs> but I sat here purposely. So this is like um, all the stuff that I got from the tour, like pictures, and then there's a T-shirt. I had all the band members, the dancers. Um, Madonna signed it. Um, and then I just got a picture of me when I did what it feels like for a girl, which was that mm-hmm. tonight that I did it. Mm-hmm. And then Em and I both loved that. I think you guys posted it recently, that picture. Yes, we black. did. Oh my God. That, yeah. That picture that from, uh, what was that? When she was doing the Martha Graham homage. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she loves that picture herself. So when I asked her to sign it, she was like, this is my favorite picture. Ooh. And then on the corner of it, I have, um, Lourdes signed it when she was young. Oh. <laughs> and a, so a friend of mine just said, give me all your, you know, like, what would you like to, just some of your favorite shots and experiences from this. So I just took the covers of the albums that I wanted on it. And she, my friend used to work at Electra Records. Mm-hmm. And she, I didn't know what it was going to be. And then in the mail came this huge... <laughs> No, it's beautiful. Nice. Just for, for all of our listeners who can't see it, it's this beautifully framed sort of like all these different album covers and a t-shirt. Well, I'll take a screen grab of and we can we can pop it up on the on the Instagram. All right. So before we get down to business, let's give Anthony a proper introduction. Anthony Rodriguez was born in the Boogie Down Bronx to Puerto Rican parents, and he attended Fiorella LaGuardia High School of Music and Performing Arts, also known as the Fame School, right, Anthony? <laughs> where he trained in the disciplines of flamenco, ballet, and modern dance, both as a performer and as a choreographer. He provided choreography for the Summer Jam concert series hosted by acclaimed New York City radio station Hot 97, as well as for performers such as Mark Anthony, Tito Puente, Little Louis Vega, Cindy Lauper, uh, Cuco Vuloy, and many more. Anthony's created staging for major New York City nightclubs, including Webster Hall, The Palladium, Sound Factory, Limelight, Avalon, and Joe's Pub, among others. He's danced for Ricky Martin, Prince, Jennifer Lopez, and he's worked under the personal tutelage of acclaimed director-choreographer Luca Tomasini. Luca! Also, uh, 
guest of friend of the podcast uh friend of the podcast yeah, famed choreographers <laughs> tina landon and jamie king also he's uh traveled on tour with madonna where he was the featured soloist for la isla bonita and the drowned world tour he founded the La Santa Luz dance company with the goal of creating a Latin version of the world-renowned Alvin Ailey company. And over the years, LSL has performed at Lincoln Center, New Jersey Performing Arts Center, and several area colleges and universities, as well, also internationally. Anthony's also a singer. He's released a single called Boricua Lover, and he's launching his first Spanish debut music and revealing himself under a new artistic name and sound as Antuz. Did I say that correctly? In English, it's Anteus, and in Spanish, it's Anteus. Okay, in Spanish. there you go. That's See, how I, you say it, guys. T- Tony is our <laughs> Spanish component of the podcast, so I let him handle any of the the, the Spanish pronunciations because I I would butcher it like there was no tomorrow. My 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 Philly accent would just not be having it. Um, well, well, before so, we say anything, no, I just want to say this first. Uh, I have to get it off my chest. So um, one of the biggest thrills of my life was hearing Madonna scream my proper name, Antonio, Antonio, in the Drowned World Tour. And I'm happy that I'm speaking to the person responsible for that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't, it was funny just to share quickly that she didn't, she asked, she was like, what do I say during this part? Like, you know, what do I, what should we do? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, jokingly, I was like, say my name. <laughs> <And then laughs> it happens. <laughs> and it was a success. <laughs> it was fun. It was Did great. she say it every night or was it just for HBO? Every night um, because we kicked off in, first we kicked off in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. That was like our opening night, you know, um, and I was shitting in my pants. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're in Spain and here I come, like this New Yorican from the Bronx and to go to Spain and like do flamenco. So I was, <laughs> it stood the same with, you know, with that section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't sure because as, as she's toured, um, we've been able to like, you know, Madonna fans go to multiple tours to see, uh, you know, multiple nights in multiple cities sometimes. And it's fun to be able to sort of see her, you know, sometimes at the beginning of the run and then catch up with her months later and see if like how she's settled into the show and what's changed from the beginning. You know, like are things looser? Are things more strict? Um, you know, like with Madame X, I got to see her at the very beginning in Brooklyn and she was very stuck to the script but then by the time i saw her in december in philadelphia she had gone wildly off script and it was very very different <laughs> but still the same you know like she would still keep some of the same yeah. parts but right. um but anyway yeah let, she did let, i mean she just kept she kept the antonio part though mm-hmm. but she did change it like when we got to the states like we we did miami and she started doing like she started saying Puerto Rico, you know, like she started doing stuff like that, and they were not having it. Like the, <laughs> the Cubans in Miami were like, no. And then she changed it. She was like, I'm not saying Puerto Rico again. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so how did you get your start in dance? Let's let's go back in time to the, the young Anthony, and he you wanted to be a dancer. Yeah, uh, my sister is hard of hearing, and. Um, I, she was taking classes at a young age and I was always amazed, you know, that she had a hearing aid and I was, she was the reason, the first introduction to dance for me. And then from there I went to Helen Butler School of Dance because where she was at and I wanted to take tap. So I started with tap and jazz and then like basic ballet. And then I joined the Boys and Girls Club because I met another dancer that lived in the same neighborhood I was in. Mm-hmm. 
and we went to the boys and girls club together and i kind of once i got there i was able they allowed me to choreograph they allowed me to be really expressive and 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 experiment and i started a dance company like a dance troupe when you're young you know a dance troupe which changed into a dance company and then i went to at the same time through all of that i went to Bala hispanico and that's where i learned flamenco and I remember taking flamenco and saying to myself, what the hell am I going to do with this in my life? You know? <laughs> um, and it's like, it was, going, it's like becoming an art history major in college. Like, what, <laughs> what, what, are, what are you going to do with that after? <laughs> right. I, was, I, I really didn't enjoy the classes. I, I'll admit it. You know, I mean, it's 15, 16 years old. I'm standing there with my castanets and I'm just <laughs> learning the rhythms and I'm learning sevillanas and all the, like, the basics for, for flamenco. But... Um, I didn't know that it was going to be what it was for sure. And then um, at the same time, I was in LaGuardia High School. Um, and throughout throughout the journey, at, at a young age, I started getting opportunities for to choreograph at a really young age. And I did a lot of work in the beginning for free because I just was like, I did have this little Madonna mentality that if I go to the clubs or if I do this, I'll get discovered, you know? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, and it actually worked out. Yeah. I did meet, I met, I met people throughout the circuit and I started getting booked and being asked to, I was at, um, but yeah, I'll stop there. But that was just like, you know, um, that's how I started with dance. Mm -hmm. What were your favorite clubs to go to? I'm curious. Um, I was introduced to my first club was Sound Factory, which I should not have been in, which <laughs> Rooney Vasquez was DJing. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and I walked into that experience literally because a friend of mine was like, I'm going to this club. Do you want to go? I was like, sure. I was like, I'm not supposed to, but I'll go. And I went and I walked into what Sound Factory was. And then I saw like extravaganzas, one out. I didn't know at the time, but I saw people voguing and doing all this movement. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I mean, and then from that, that was my introduction to the nightlife of New York City at a young age. And as I was growing and going out, then I started doing performances at the old um, Café Con Leche. I don't know if yeah. anyone remembers that yeah. party. Yeah. At that, um, it, where, where Cabaret is or used to be, the, the show. Mm -hmm. um, so at night, it would turn into this club. And then I... Started cork. I started doing stuff in the night scene in the nightclub. So how how did how did how did you know? So basically, you went from just a kid dancing at at the club to becoming part of the scene. How did that lead you to recording your own music and working with DJs? And did did any of that um, help you get to Madonna in any way? In 1999, I, I started out singing when I was little. I was a little kid singing all, all Spanish music. I was singing Menudo songs all the time. <laughs> Sube de mi moto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I did like all these Menudo competitions and I was winning, but like without any training, just like this natural little kid that just wanted to perform and my parents were supportive. And then I stopped singing because my voice changed during mm -hmm. pu puberty so I gained a really big complex. My range dropped tremendously. So I just had this complex. And then in 1999, I started writing and I did like, and recently I was watching home videos. Um, I started writing and I started writing original music and I did a show at a school as a young artist, as a young performer in New York City. I was always creating my own opportunities. Yeah. So I kind of just reached out to a school and they let me use their gymnasium to do like a small showcase. And then... I started singing more in 1999, just like exploring. And then funny, I did the tour 
I wrote a song called Everybody that Jonathan Peters remixed for me. Oh, wow. And then while I got on the tour, that was my first opportunity to really share with different audiences because throughout the tour, I was blessed to have been booked for all like the after parties. Oh, that's amazing. You know, like the... So that was a cool opportunity and a cool side check mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just to show up and then like perform my own songs. And then I watch those videos now and I'm like, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> but, but I was on this ride and that opportunity. So that opened a can of, it made it seem more real, you know, for me, because during this tour, I was able to sing my own material and, and perform. And then after I got off, I was singing at a nightclub and there was a production house in, in the audience. and they liked what I was doing and they flew me to Sweden and I recorded 14 songs in two weeks. Oh I had God. never experienced being in the studio before like that. And to be able to go there as a, like a new artist and write my own material and work with like a band. And it was just like such a cool opportunity for me. And I wrote mm-hmm. with a bunch of Swedes. They wrote this song called Latina Lover. And I <laughs> went in there and flipped it and called it Boricua Lover. <laughs> that's my only writing credit on that song. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and then I recorded Boricua Lover. But that was like, you know, a few years after, mm-hmm. you know, the tour. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it's basically all your world came together at, at the same time. That's so cool. So, um, mm-hmm. all right. So let's start talking about Drowned World then. Um, Stefan, take us there. Yeah, so as we all know, you had a big spotlight in the Drowned World tour. And um, how did that tour happen for you? What, what you know, like you were dancing, and how, how did you get to audition? What was the audition process like? We've we've heard some stories. We had your your gal Marlene on the show, hey. and and mm-hmm. she 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 told us her side of that. What's what what's your side? <laughs> it was an interesting time for me personally because I was broke completely broke um and and i remember it was an open call because she hadn't toured for so many years so she basically did a cattle call to see who was out there and you show up to this audition with about two thousand people in new york and um they were outside and the funny thing was the first thing i remember is getting on that line and then whoever with the coordinator was like if you're just here to see her go home she's not (laughs) (laughs) and like People started leaving the line, you know, like, um, but then the audition was a heavy process because you had to do like me and Michaels was the choreographer for the audition, you know, Jamie King, Alex, you know, yeah. so you had to get through all these phases, you know, so, and then they had the specialties, you know, they were like, who here can do specialties that, you know, I was like me, mm-hmm. so I was like flamenco, I was like flamenco guy. Um, and then but it was a tough audition. It was a few days or a day or two. And, and, uh, it, I didn't talk to anybody in the, in the studio. And I, there were like New York dancers coming by and they were like, Oh, you're here. Forget it. We're leaving. And I'm like, no, don't even, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that because I auditioned for the girly tour and I, and I had a huge complex about my, my size and my body, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you see all the guys in the girly tour, obviously they're all like giving you, you know, Body, Body. Um, muscle, muscle. So I, so when I auditioned for this one, I was like, "Damn, I'm probably too small." But you don't know, you know, when you go to audition, what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I made it through all of the other sections, and then that that last day that she came in, you know, they called like the specialties to the room, and that was like Tamara, Uh Tammy, 
and Jamal um, from New York. I think it was, and there were other people, but it was like a group of 10. And we did our stuff. And I remember she was like, what song do you want to dance flamenco to? And I was like, uh, she was like, how about music? And I was like, sure. And you know, you're like in front of Madonna and you're like, <laughs> I have to dance like the, my, I need to, I'm going to bleed this. Like I'm going to, I have to give her my all. So I just went full the fuck out. I just started doing zapateos and <laughs> she just, the whole room was super excited. Like everybody started jumping and she starts banging on her, on the table where she was sitting and mm -hmm. I'm playing castanets. I don't even know if I was on the right time. I don't know <laughs> the rhythm. I don't know. My hair was super curly and she, and I just was going off mm -hmm. from my life. And then I did that. And then, um, <laughs> I waited a week because they were auditioning in LA, like another 2000 right. or 3000. Mm -hmm. And then, they did the audition in LA and at the time, like I said, I was completely broke and I didn't have myself, my cell phone went off, but I had like my office line and I was a Sunday and I knew they were starting on Monday and I was like, fuck, I didn't even get the job. I went out drinking on Saturday. I got drunk. I was like, I didn't get this gig, whatever. <laughs> and then Sunday morning I'm coming home and I, something made me call my, my office and I'm glad I did. Uh, yeah. And it was, you know, it was Danita, her assistant at the time, and she was like, Madonna's been looking for you. We can't find anybody else. We want you. You have to take the red eye. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I went from the airport to my hotel room to my first day of rehearsal. Wow. <laughs> While you were hungover? Yeah. <laughs> I, I wow. sobered up with the excitement. I was going to say, God bless. That's like you pop some Alka-Seltzer, you chuck mm -hmm. some Gatorade, you get on that red eye and you make it happen. And, and so then you get there and you start rehearsals and you meet Alex Magno and Marlene and Tamara and, and tell us what, what that was like and, and how long did it take you to just get acclimated and, and, and just forget about where you were and just do the job, you know? Yeah, the, the first day, so I went straight from the airport, well, from my hotel there, and it was like, it was awkward for me um, that first day because it was kind of like they started staging everyone and like me and Tamara were like sitting on the side, you know, mm -hmm. and, it was, and I was just like, damn, this is like my first big gig and I'm sitting like, I'm not even dancing. So I was like, upset. <laughs> nobody puts Anthony in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was just my like ego and shit, but um. But then it was cool because then something different happened because then M walked in and I had no idea anything about the show. We just started rehearsing. We were doing Impressive Instant. And um, she walked in and she was like, why are you sitting here? And I, <laughs> that was like my first like, you know, and then I had to also remember because she didn't know and she still doesn't know that like I really was a fan, you know, before. But I was fronting, you know, I was like, uh, I was just like, hey. And then she Oh, was, hey, Madonna. Like, nice <laughs> to see you. Or when, when's the artist going to show up, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she kind of just like pulled me to the side. And she opened this amazing book that had the entire layout of the show. Wow. I want that. And, and it was just beautiful. Everything was drawn. The goatier costumes were drawn. And then she turned the book and she showed a guy with long hair with a goatier corset on. And she was like, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And she was like, you have a solo in my show. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so that's how I found out. And that was my first day. And then, um, yeah. And then we just kept on with the, with the creating so, so her vision who did you work with specifically on on your your solo moment 
that was an amazing opportunity for me because I also was a band member, yeah, you know, and a dancer. Mm-hmm. So it was super cool because she had this vision and this feeling because, you know, she wanted that feeling of like, you know how you in Spain or even in Italy, sometimes you get on the table and you dance, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's flamenco or so she wanted that feeling. And then, but the arrangement wasn't done yet. And it also was an important part for her because she had never done acoustic before. She had never done an acoustic set mm-hmm. in any of the tours prior. So, and then she was working, you know, she was playing the guitar. So it was like a really interesting and amazing process. You know, we like stripped the track down. We did different versions. The cool thing for me as a dancer was that I got to like have like my own rehearsals with her. You know, I spent so mm-hmm. much time creating this piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we worked on the arrangement. What was it going to sound like? You know, like my flamenco solo was like in the beginning was almost like seven to eight minutes. And it was just like me dancing that long. And it was like, okay, this is a lot. Like, let's bring this down. You know? People collapse after that long. <laughs> I was sweating and upset that I was still going. And she was like, keep going, keep going. Um, <laughs> and then we just kind of came up with this amazing arrangement. And, and, and then it was the next thing was like, well, then now how do we do this on stage? Like what is going to be the visual? So then, you know, there was moments where Alex did kind of come in and kind of, try to do some, you know, shapes and spaces and all this stuff. But she really wanted a raw essence, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, there's other, there's so many funny stories because we went through so many versions. And, you know, she, at the end of the day, she kind of was like, Anthony's only dancing. Nobody dance. I'm going to, I'm going to end it there because there was so, there was so many ideas yeah. and it was just too much. So was the, up, was yeah. the workshopping of that number and just in the tour in general, is the workshopping fun because it's super creative because people are collaborating and like, is that a joyous time for you as a dancer? Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to witness all, all of it as well. Um, but that specific section was wonderful. I had never choreographed a flamenco solo, mm-hmm. you know, for myself. I've never, I'm not a flamenco choreographer. And um, I remember calling my flamenco teacher and being like, Yvonne, I have a freaking solo in the show. She was like, you got this. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but she reminded me that it also was a pop concert. Yeah. And that changed everything for me. You know, I wasn't going up there. It was a Madonna show. You know, yeah. no, that's what it was. So it was. What, um, was yeah. the was the Madonna fan in you just like tripping out over the fact that you got to do that every night? I was. And maybe it's funny because she was like, you know, I have this song called La Isla Bonita. And I was like, inside, I was like, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't think I knew the song. And then when I was younger, I had my flamenco teacher choreograph a piece for me to La Isla Bonita. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to see her do this kind of like flam- really flamenco. Not I saw the version in the girly show, yeah. which I loved, you know, but they kind of kept it with all of like these. That this, I'm not, I'm not being shady to anybody. No, 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 you're not. No, of course it's not. Just, it's just like you know, there's these typical like these shapes that you expect from flamenco dancers and all this stuff, and we didn't want that. So kind of what also what I did with the blend of it was kind of like give it a little bit of femininity, mm-hmm. you know, to the hip to the hip movement. Um, to change it up, which I got read in Spain about, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what though. Um, What's so great about that, the La- I call it the Latin segment of uh, Drowned World, is that up until that point, the show is very tight and very controlled, and it goes 
it just seems from one you know set to the next but then when you get to the latin section it's almost as if everyone just like i mean it's it's also very choreographed of course but everyone kind of lets loose and it becomes like the spiritual heart of the show wouldn't you agree mhm it was like my solo so i choreographed my solo uh-huh. there's no you know i was able to kind of do my own rhythms and stuff so the for me it was fun because i was able it was a freestyle at some points so i was able as the show grew with the audience and we didn't know that the crowd was going to react the way mm-hmm. they reacted at that solo so in spain when that first reaction happens it was like okay we hit the pocket yeah. the audience the crowd is in it they're screaming ole they just especially in spain they started even doing the palmas you yeah. know mm-hmm. the flamenco clapping and then um I just kind of oh shucks. When I talk about this, I get excited, so I lose myself. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, I mean, you so, had to realize how important it, it was. I mean, maybe not at the moment, but afterward, how you know, like for example, I saw this at Madison Square Garden, and then you know, I didn't know what to expect, and then all of a sudden, this whole segment of the show is, is like Latin, and all my favorite Madonna songs are like really turned on their head, and in. And the dancing and everything. And it was just such an important moment for, you know, Latin people watching Madonna. So I can understand how overwhelming it must have been for people in Spain to see the that their culture, you know, reflected on stage. It's it's so cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Did you have other favorite number other than your solo, of course, were there other numbers in the tour that you just loved performing every night? I loved Frozen. Mm-hmm. Such I love doing it. I really loved doing that number. I loved the, well, Frozen also had a special pass with me because when I was choreographing in New York City, Frozen came out and I did a, a piece, I choreographed a piece to it for Café Con Leche one night and the owner of the theater happened to be there and saw the show and he said he had a party that Madonna was coming to if I would like to be like a pop-up performer. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> so Sign me up. Yeah. So I went and I did Frozen. It was like right when the single came out. I think it's the Victor Calderon remix. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's that version. And I choreographed the piece and I did it. And she was in the audience and she called me over and she was like, you were freaking great. But Frozen, Frozen was my favorite. I loved I loved doing it so much. Mm-hmm. And you were part of the deep knee squats during music. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I, we we had Nikki we had Nikki Harris on last season and she was always I always remember her quote saying she would just pray that she would <laughs> be able to finish those deep knee squats every night that they were doing them. I mean the rush the rush though you know when you're on stage at least as a dancer like the rush of it I could have kept I we could have done those squats for the whole freaking show I would have been fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, Anthony, every time we've talked to someone about the Drowned World Tour, um, it always comes up, you know, that the Drowned World Tour was, you know, you guys were performing in Los Angeles and then you had to stop for a few days because of 9-11. Can you, like, just kind of, like, give us, like, a, I don't know, a little, like, capsule moment of, of what that was like because no one in the entire country knew what was going on and you guys had a show to put on, you know? Yeah, that was, it happened that morning, and we canceled that show that night. And then the next morning, um, we got a call that we're going to close the show. We're going to do it, I think. And I believe she was the only performer that performed that day in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember us, you know, getting into the circle and it being 
a really powerful ending. We took out all of the the violence in the show. We took out the guns. We took out anything violent. Oh, we just wow. took everything violent out. And then I remember we got in when we got into our huddle in the beginning. Um, you know, we don't know. We didn't know who was going to show up. Yeah. You know, so she was like, even if no one shows up, let's just do this for love. The world needs this. You know, you know that she was just giving a really strong positive message that really, really impacted all of us as a group. And we we did that show on the twelfth. What did you? Yeah, get- and she wore that. Like I think she wore the American flag yeah. as her kilt. Yes. And mm-hmm. was that? Was that? Oh no! Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. It also was our last night, so you know the last show of anything. You get to joke around mm-hmm. and you get to pull pranks. <laughs> so we pulled a bunch of. Even though it was our last show, even though the world was where it was, we just had to put a little light mm-hmm. in our own experience, and we just pulled so many pranks that night on <laughs> each other. And on her. <laughs> <laughs> is that all taken lightly? Like, do people like after the show is over, are people like, ha ha, very funny? Or is it more of just like, if you do that again, I swear I will slap you? Nah, mixed feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony, tell us, uh, was there one country, one city that you visited and you got to see for the first time that really took your breath away during the Drowned World Tour? Especially, you know, coming into town with the Madonna circus, you know, everyone's waiting for you guys, you know? Well, and also because that was the first time she toured in like eight years. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she was finally back on tour, I mean, I remember we, I saw her in the opening, the United States opening night in Philadelphia and people were bonkers. Like I was through the roof and it was crazy. And I, I mean, I distinctly remember your flamenco and people were losing their minds when mm-hmm. you were dancing. Cause it was, as, it was as if like there was some sort of lightning in a bottle. Like you yeah. just were like the speed at, at which you were like stomping on the dance floor. And I was like, I don't know how he's doing this. And people were clapping, 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 clapping. And it was just like, it was crazy. It sounded Sorry, like there I was were fanning microphones. Out. That was me fanning were- out for a moment. Anthony, it's, it almost sounded like there were microphones in on your, like the soles of your shoes. It was so good. <laughs> there, there were, oh. there were, and if you, <laughs> there were. Well, that explains it. There you go. <laughs> and if you notice, like the tours after, um, I, I believe that a lot of like the little the intros and those little things. If anybody did any rhythms or tapping, mm-hmm. they were pre-recorded because we learned so much. Like I had microphones on my palms for my castanets on my shoes. They were attached to my shoe it's crazy and and then when we did one of our texts we had to change just the one block where i'm standing had to be changed so that the sound could be different it was such a technical Mm -hmm. it was really really crazy and i even she was like oh my gosh but we did it and we got through it the production crew was incredible about getting it done and you know, I don't know if she would do it again, but I got the opportunity to do that whole shit live. Yeah. And that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. And going back, sorry, when you were talking about like, coming to the States, when we were in Europe, when we kicked up in Europe, it's different because, you know, it's not seating in the front. So right. everybody's just standing. Oh, it's festival. It's a big old so, mosh and, pit, and, a Madonna mosh pit. <laughs> yeah. And then back to what you're saying, it's been so many years, right? So over there, like the fan, the the supporters, the fans were just insane. Like I witnessed 
I'm like doing don't tell me and I'm seeing people getting carried out like that Michael Jackson kind of like uh-huh. uh, really big and I was like oh they're, these people are excited like they're, they're and that was throughout Europe like when we got to the States it was different at Philly I must admit even as like a performer I was like oh shit that's right we sitting over here that's right we in the States <laughs> oh I tell, I'm telling you I can't tell you how many times I've been to a Madonna show and like the moment the lights go out, people on if you're on the floor, which I'm always on the uh-huh. floor, you stand. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like fifth row center for confessions, and this couple behind me thought they were going to sit for the whole show. I'm like, you're at the wrong yeah. show. I'm like, uh-huh. you, I'm like, <laughs> you have sixth row center. You do not sit during the Madonna show. They were not happy. <laughs> also, we we also you've you have other things that you've done beyond drown world tour um what were some of your highlights from post madonna because you've worked with a lot of other great people as well what are some some of those highlights prince i did bet you by golly the video with prince Mm. um and (sighs) prince i'm a hardcore prince fan before madonna sorry no it's (laughs) and um so the fact that I got to work with him and on this particular project, we kind of spent seven days in um, Paisley Park. And it was just such a beautiful experience to be in that building and be in his world. And Prince was just, it was just an amazing experience. Like that one, I love my solo in the Drown World Tour. I mm-hmm. love M yeah. all day. But, you know, and I, and I was cool, you know, because I got to work with him before her. Um, so it was, it was super, so Prince, that experience being there with him for seven days was incredible for me. Wow. Prince. Does working with people like Prince, like Madonna, how does that influence your personal work then? You know, like does, do you take lessons from them and use that to infuse in your own work or like your own work ethic? Yeah. I, so as like for the past 13 years, I mean, all my life I've been, um, a mentor or I work with young artists and it's always been interesting to kind of, when they're like, I want to be like Beyonce or I want to be this person, you know, um, I just share with them just a little bit of reality that, um, so I got like, my point is that I like, I, I worked with Prince. I worked with Adana. I was a fan, you know, hard body and still am. But then there was just like this line that I had to, I just had to like learn, um, that they're human as well. They're mm-hmm. not like gods. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, at least for me. And I just try to share it with the young artists mm-hmm. now. And then with every experience I've had, um, I've ta- I've learned so much. But I've also already, I saw myself in those. I was already experiencing those things, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like when I did Drown World Tour, even watching how, you know, the way they made choices or what they did. Mm-hmm. I was already doing that in my own dance yeah. company or in my own creations. So I was like, okay, I'm not that off. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, she's doing that. That's the way, that's how I work, you know? So that's, <laughs> what I, that's, that's been the fun part, like to work with artists and, and just see how they work and then just say, okay, I'm not off. You know, it was, a, it was a, like a validation for your own self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you also worked with a uh, fellow Madonna dancer slash colleague slash choreographer Luca Tomasini. Um, yeah, we had him on the podcast and he's, he's great and he's got some amazing stories, yeah. but uh, how did you guys meet and uh, tell us about some of the work that you guys have done after, right after I did the tour, um, 
I kind of, I stood in LA for two months and I was like, what am I going to do next? You know, like, what do you do after that? Mm -hmm. And that was like my dance dream. You know, I didn't think I was going to get that. So after that, I actually didn't dance with anybody else. I didn't want to, but I had an agent that was like trying to get me, you know, Britney was coming up and all this stuff. And I was like, nope, I'm done dancing. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm grateful. Been there, done that. I don't need any (laughs) more. And then I got a call for like uh, Luca Tomasini's company because he was doing a show called um, in Italy, and they said that Rafaela Carra, who's a big star oh, in yeah. Italy, loves flamenco and what you know, we want you. And I was like, oh god, am I going to now get like pinned and I'm going to do like all flamenco gigs? <laughs> <laughs> I got that, and I got to work with Luca, and I was there for you know about six months, and it was wonderful to learn from him and create with him and. That, he was beautiful. I absolutely adore him. Yeah, he was wonderful. He has he has a great energy. Um, I I think it's awesome that you worked mm-hmm. with Rafaela Carra. What did you think of um, Madonna stealing her look for the God Control video last year? <laughs> oh, that's good. I didn't think about that. <laughs> the, that's a good one, right? <laughs> she didn't yeah. steal it, Tony. She didn't steal it. She paid homage <laughs> to it. <laughs> You know how Madonna does it. It's the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So you also, besides your dancing, as you mentioned, you also are involved in music. Music. Sorry, Tony. See, I'm going to say it every time I say it now. Mm -hmm. Stop stop that. Tony's just going to edit it out. Um, So how did you start releasing music? (laughs) Uh, Boricua Lover was the first one, and that was with an independent label called Mix Wax. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, I kind of did it. For me, doing the music was to explore. It was to test. It wasn't like to get sales or to, in the beginning, um, I just kind of wanted to create. I've always been Mm -hmm. that kind of creative. I just want to create. And then I just started like doing residencies. And then I started releasing songs and, selling them independently and like, you know, and saying, okay, this song worked for me. It was all a test. Mm. Can I, if I do this, what's the crowd going to like? Okay. The crowd likes this. Okay. The crowd likes that. Oh, I shouldn't do that song again. So I had a lot of original material and then I just kind of really tested out throughout the years, but I started getting booked and I did mall tours when mall tours were out (laughs) and, you know, (laughs) did tons of performances in New York city. And I got to travel to China. And for me, just as an end just as an artist to be able to go to China and sing for two weeks and just do my own material where nobody knew me, it was just a blessing to kind of explore and share that. So all of that has been like rehearsal and a process to just get to the next level and, and continue. So where I'm at recently, um, it's just finishing up like a Spanish album, that over 15 years ago, people have been like, you know, just asking, hey, why don't you do Spanish? And I was like, no, I don't think in <laughs> Spanish. I can write in Spanish and I can read, I can speak it, but I don't think in Spanish, you know? So, but this quarantine, the beginning of 2020, that January, I purposely also took like three weeks off of, of work and was like, I'm going to write this Spanish album in three weeks, like something. And then the pandemic came <clears throat> And it just gave me more time to write and it gave me more time to really be in this zone that I was already getting into in 20, in the beginning of 2020. So I'm just looking forward to actually getting in the studio and finishing it up with, you know, with the musicians and stuff for, to release it. And let's see what happens. What type <laughs> yeah. of, what type of music, what type of vibe is it? Is it? It's, um, it's a Latin pop. 
projects. You know, there's there's like reggaeton undertones, but I'm not a rapper. I'm not a reggaeton. Like I don't rhyme like that. I just kind of sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you know, it's so it's just, it's got dancey vibes to it. It's you know, it's a little. I think you know, I'm gonna try something out. I'm gonna explore. Like Madonna, you have a bit of reinvention happening yourself. I think this sort of goes along with the the Spanish album that you're doing. Tell us about this this new person. Is it a persona? Is it what? It's what, a, what, what, it's how would you not, how would you describe it? Yeah, it's it's a name that my friend. So it's something that I when I was younger, I always kind of wanted to. I didn't like Anthony Rodriguez, you know, as a, as a performance thing. Um, and then I kind of did research through Greek mythology. I was just doing research and I found out about a, a Greek god named Antaeus, um, with an S and then, um, it fit with, I don't know. I liked the name and he was a God that beat Zeus. He was the only God that could beat Zeus. Um, but he sure, he was short lived <laughs> because his power was from the earth and Zeus figured it out after a couple of punches that he can like, if you lift Antaeus off the earth, then he has no more power. Mm. So that's why this, that's why his story is short. Um, Zeus figured it out and got rid of him. Um, but I love the name and it stood with me and I would tell my friends it and my friends were really supportive like Marlene. And, you know, we were all <clears throat> being creative when we were young and I, my friends used to say it to me all the time, my brother, my family. And then not until maybe about two years ago in 2018, I said, let me just do like some English projects. So I did a little, I was like, let me release a record independently just to kind of put it out there once a month on the 18th of every month in 2018. And I did that and I did it with the name and um, no one has asked me yet, you know, if that's kind of like some kind of, you know, um, I don't know what the word is, but, but yeah, that's how that name came out. And that's how, and I, and I'm just using it now. It just feels like another way to express myself. It's Mm -hmm. like, it is like a different, you know, it's it's different. The songs are different. The way I'm writing is different. So I just like make sense to kind of like just attach, you know, to this name and use it and see how it goes. I wasn't sure if it was like your Prince moment when he went by the symbol. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it can be, but you know. That's and you've also done, so I know that you were very proud of the work that you've done uh, with La Santa Luz Dance Company. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was like a bit, that was like me and my friends. We started out as La Santa, as Holy Light when we were younger and we would just do dance performances. And I did start performing and rehearsing in a church. My father was a deacon and they allowed me to rehearse in the church. Um, so... As we were performing, like at Hot 97 and doing all these like festivals, they would be like, and now Holy Light. And it was cool. But then, <laughs> I don't know, I started getting like requests and they thought we were like a spiritual group or like, you know, like a one of those kind of like, you know, dance groups that would just dance for the Lord, which I do dance for the Lord. But it wasn't, it just wasn't working out. I just didn't like the branding of it. I was like 16. What am I talking about branding of it at that time? But I was like, I didn't like the name. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I um I changed it just to Spanish, and I said, "Well, what's wrong, La Santa Luz?" And it just wrote, it just sounded prettier and nicer to anyone, any ethnicity. It just sounded, it was lovely to hear, and that's how the name, like, that's how that came about. But um, we did concerts throughout. Like when I started La Santa Luz, I was really young, and I was always, like I said before, um, 
seeking my own and creating my own opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I like met with the Bronx Council on the Arts and I applied for a grant and I got a grant to like choreograph and like create. And then from there, it just kind of led to the next thing. And at the Kit Kat Club where we did Cafe Con Leche, Mm -hmm. even the owner there, he was like, you're a really talented young man. I'd love to give you a night to do a show. And I got the club and packed it up and it just kind of kept going with the dance company. And then once I started focusing on singing, I was going through this artistic battle within myself. You know, do I continue choreographing and dancing with this? Do I keep singing? Like, what do I want to do? And I spoke to many artists and I got different advice. And the the best thing was like, focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. That was it. So with that, I took that and I said, I'm going to stop La Santa Luz for a little while. And I'm going to focus on, on writing and singing. So what I do with the company now is kind of like pop-up performances. There will be a concert soon because so many dancers have asked to revisit a lot of the work I choreographed because they, you know, just with them sharing with me and me looking at the work, a lot of the work I choreographed as a young artist. And um, when I even watch some of the old work, I'm like, oh, wow, pretty cool for that 18 year old (laughs) to be thinking of those sequences and patterns. And, you know, it's kind of like looking back at it and being like, wow, okay. And then so many dancers that I've been able and blessed to work with and mentor that have come to New York that are like now doing so much work from like choreographing for Beyonce and just, it's just a really, I'm just so grateful for all the dancers I've met throughout this process as well and have been a part of their life in however way I've inspired them. I kind of, I was always mentoring without even knowing I was mentoring. I was just going with the flow of life and sharing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, years later, just people emailing or texting, even to this day on IG, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, oh, that's great. you know, just supporting. Um, but yeah, so Santa Luz still exists. It's just more like a little bit more of pop-up experiences mm-hmm. now. Right. <laughs> so when it's finally safe for all of us to gather again for performances and whatnot, we'll se- it's the return of La Santa Luz. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Marlene, Marlene har- harasses me enough to do it. So yeah, it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've, we've been speaking to so many dancers since we started the podcast and I know since lockdown and the pandemic has started, everyone's been saying how much they miss being able to perform and, you know, with Broadway being shut down for so long and uh, when, when, when is it going to be safe for us to go and see concerts again? And uh, I know we're all, I think we're all very excited to be able to see a live performance again at some point very soon. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stefan, is it time for my favorite part of the podcast? I think it might be, Anthony. <laughs> on every show with a special guest, we always do a little thing called the lightning round, which is questions that you will know very well. It's all about Madonna. And it's just to be wherever you're at in your Madonna journey right now, off the top of your head without thinking. Favorite Madonna song? I don't know. Oh, man. Frozen came into my head really quick. I'm going to just stick with it. But I want to say bedtime stories as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll I'll go with either of those. Favorite (laughs) Madonna video? Bedtime stories. Hmm. Now, this, you might be a little little particular on this one. Favorite Madonna tour? (laughs) (laughs) Blonde Ambition. I saw that when I was young. And I, I remember just being in the audience and watching it. And I uh, I became a huge fan of Vince Patterson, the yeah. choreography, the movement. 
Yeah, Blonde Ambition. Nice. And then Drown World. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen, have you been able to see her after Drown World tour? Yes, I have. It's been like, I got to see the the one right after. I don't remember which one that was. Sorry, but no, that was- I got to see that one in LA. I got I was invited to like the friends and family show, so oh, nice. that was cool to witness like that. But I've seen everything. I saw Madam X. I saw everything mm-hmm. after so, that. I have how, to. I have to go see it. <laughs> how how is it seeing those shows? I mean, like having been on tour with her in these big elaborate shows and whatnot. Is it is it fun to be able to see it from? the viewer perspective and also how, and I, how many people are in are in, are in the audience for a friends and family show oh, it's like 50 to 100 max oh my god <laughs> yeah it is it, it is super fun i think what was the one where they did Iceland? all the guys came out i forgot which show that was but anyway, it it was fun to see it. But when I saw all the guys come out, I was pissed drunk at that one. I had never been drunk. I had never been drunk. I always want to be able to watch everything. Mm-hmm. But that tour, the one where the it was just like I loved that show. Yeah, the sticky and sweet, sticky and sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah, so was, yeah. So I was completely wasted, wasted. So I did not mean what I said to my friend, but I was completely wasted. And so I turned over and I was like, aha, it took 10 guys to do that part. <laughs> you know, cause I, <laughs> cause I was like my one little moment, but I love, I love watching the show. And when I see her, I don't like to see her up close. I like to see it far away. I love the lights. I love the movement of, you know, the choices that are made. So I, I, I really don't like watching her up close. Did but you, what it's not did you, that I don't want to see her. <laughs> what did you think of Madame X? Because that was such a departure from her huge productions that she'd been doing. What, did you enjoy that she was scaling it back and doing like the smaller production? I love everything she does. And I love the intimacy of that one. I really loved it. Um, I enjoyed it. And look, Frozen mm-hmm. was also one of my favorite sequences so in that good. show. So it was, um, I was beautiful. I really, I really enjoyed that. I liked that it was so intimate, you know, it wasn't so raw, you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it had, a, it. it had a very different energy than her normal shows. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, we've derailed the, the lightning round. Oh, Fa- favorite Madonna look. And it can become from like a video, a tour, a photo shoot in person. What is that? And is it Versace where she's laying on the steps and she looks so? <laughs> oh my god, that's everybody's <laughs> favorite photo. <laughs> Literally, I think like the last three guests have said the same thing. It's it's one of my that, favorite photos of all time. But um, we just had hot. we did we just we just had detox from RuPaul's Drag Race on, and uh-huh. she said she said she's the purple dress and the Versace on the stairs. <laughs> it's such an iconic that whole photo shoot is, is yeah. fucking brilliant it's amazing i think i have that magazine here somewhere in my i i got that magazine when it came out and there was a pullout of that yeah picture mm-hmm. and it was like four yeah. it was like four pages so you got like a mini madonna poster i love that picture oh my god it's so good i want to i need to find yeah. i'm not going to mar-a-lago but i need to find a staircase just like that and like yeah. get a purple suit and like do the same thing actually i think there's one in the bronx remember they, they shot the joker there you could just oh, yeah. <laughs> you could just oh, go well, there. no but that's that's a that's a, the staircase she's on in the versace ad is, is it's curved and delicate that yeah. staircase that staircase in the bronx is that, that needs a little love in the bronx that's Okay, so that's... <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> so, Anthony, tell us, uh, tell us, and our view, uh, our listeners, where they can find you on uh, on social media. 
I'm on Instagram. It's at World of Anteas, um, A-N-T-A-E-U-Z. Um, yeah, World of Anteas. That's where I'm on Instagram. That's at least where I would post anything I'm doing creatively, for sure. Awesome. So watch this space for that music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys, we want to say thank you to Anthony Rodriguez, a.k.a. Antonio, Antonio, for coming on the MLBC podcast. This is great. We've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Um, I know. I'm glad we were able to finally make this happen. Yeah. Thank you for, um, for, for taking the time. Stefan and I are especially interested in the Drowned World Tour because we feel like it's one of Madonna's more unique tours. And we love you know, speaking to people that were creatively involved. So we appreciate you coming I, on. That was, my, that was my first Madonna show that I ever dressed up for. I dressed in the look that... She, so she had been on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Uh-huh. And um, because it, when she was coming to the United States, they were making a big, you know, they showed pictures from the tour and I was so excited. And I was like, I'm dressing up for this show. And that I like handmade a kilt and I like put safety pins on a tattered t-shirt and I smoky eyed and crazed up my hair. And, but I did the red tartan like she had in the European run. And then mm-hmm. she comes out for the first show in Philadelphia and she had changed the color to green. And I remember as she's coming out on that misty cloud for substitute for love and everyone's cheering. I was like, fuck, she changed the color on me. And, you know, I mean, it was nobody noticed, but at the very end of that show, some little Nelly queen was walking by me and says, she, he looks me up and down and turns and says, she changed the color on you, didn't she? And I was like, yeah, thanks. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> gotta love a snarky Madonna anyway. fan at the Madonna concert. Yeah. Gotta, gotta, gotta love. Anyway. Yeah. Anthony, you're like, you know, like, I, I could say it again. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We we love talking to you and we love all of our listeners and we're so excited that you guys listen to us every week and that we're able to bring you another fun show and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MLBC Podcast. You can also go to our landing page, mlbcpodcast.com and you can listen to us wherever podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts and Google Play, Google Play and Spotify, Spotify. And all of them. Yeah. We're everywhere. So anyway, we're everywhere. So we will see you guys soon. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys for the next episode. Take care. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you.